Welcome to Tech Talk with Bodacom, the Trending Tech Made Simple podcast. In today's episode, we're talking in code, or specifically coding, the building blocks of technology. What is it? How do we use it? And why do we need it? My name is Drew, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taryn. Hi, everybody. We are really excited to be here today. And we've got an incredible woman doing incredible things in coding with us. Her name is Aratile Mapumulo. She's the core data networks planning manager at Vodacom and specializes in the architecture and design of Vodacom's IP transport network. Hi, Aratile. How are you doing today? Hi, everyone. I'm doing great. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Cool. Um, you know, coding is a, I would say, a trending word across tech. You know, everybody knows that it's the go-to thing. It's the um, hallmark of the fourth industrial revolution. Um, do you want to break it down for us a little bit and get into what coding is and how we use it every day? So coding, you know, putting it in simple terms, is basically the languages that you use to tell machines what to do. That is basically what it is. So coding has touched our lives even way before we even spoke about the industrial revolution. You know, your DSTV decoder has a microchip that has a computer program running on it telling it to get the signals from this channel and broadcast it on your TV in a certain way with certain resolutions. It's always been there. But now with the access to information and everything, looking into automation and machines being more intelligent and doing more things, it touches bigger industries outside of just technology. So that's why like now it's become so profound and it's something that's so important because we can't run away from it. And the more you're exposed to computer programming, the more you can actually bring it into your your everyday life, expose yourself to it, learn more about it and get more comfortable with it because it touches everything now. It's it's in the accounting industry, it's in mining, it's in everything. <laughs> so that's basically what it is. Programming, it's just a language. Languages, okay, there's different programming languages to tell machines what to do. So is it correct to say that essentially everything begins with the code? Everything, especially with technology, yes. I mean, down to, you know, you have smart appliances now, your cell phone, your computer, your TV, everything that you engage with on a daily basis operates off of a computer program. So when we're talking about coding and we're talking about professions, you know, you mentioned it, that it's it's seeping its way sort of into all these different types of professions. I think for me... I thought it was kind of just limited to the computer programming, IT section of the business or, you know, professions. But there's so many people that are coming from diverse backgrounds that are getting into coding and they're merging these worlds. You know, we know of yes. um, people who are completely re-diverting their entire careers um, and deep diving into coding and they've never had any history with it before. Um, yeah, is, is that something that we, we see coming on a lot more? Definitely. We see it coming a lot more. I mean, personally, uh, my best friend from high school, she was studying to become a CA while I was studying to become an engineer. And career wise, we couldn't be more different. We couldn't be more different. <laughs> she was worrying about board exams and I was worrying about, you know, antenna design and radio frequencies and all of these things. And now in our professional um, life, now in our adulthood, 
Um, she was actually developing a robot, so an automated system, to reduce the amount of admin work done when doing auditing. So somebody who, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when she heard the word engineering and programming languages, she would be like, what's that? <laughs> now <laughs> it's become part of her everyday life. There's just no way of avoiding it. Um, I was actually at a conference once where we had uh, ladies from all different industries. So we had even the cosmetics, we had people from Revlon, Estee Lauder, and all of those things. And now they actually have software programmers in their teams to write programs, to pull customer data, to understand better what their customers need, to be able to, you know, maybe develop a certain color palette for the makeup lines, um, to make sure that stores in particular areas have what the customers in those areas need. You know, it, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> it's very hard to avoid. So it's essentially, well, it's basically an essential skill, really. Yes, it really is. It really is. Um, I'm sure, I mean, I mean, before COVID hit, I mean, COVID, I think, accelerated the, um, the need to have the kind of infrastructure available in all our schools so our kids can actually be able to be exposed to these things. So now our kids have done online learning, um, but now beyond online learning and doing video classes, you need to be, you need to now start learning how to actually build things online, how to, you know, build algorithms, how to build solutions using software. So it's very important. It's very relevant. Yeah. So seeing as it is such an important skill, um, Obviously, it's something you want to encourage kids to start doing from a, from quite a young age. Uh, is there is there like a, a specific time that they should start? Do you think is there a, an age level there that that you're right for coding with, or is it really as soon as they show an interest in it? I mean, I'm of the mind that you know, children have an intuitive. It's so natural to them how to build. Right. Um, I've got a five year old and I've seen how him and his cousins just gravitate to building blocks um, and they build structures Like my son likes to actually build transformer robots. He's into transformers right now. <laughs> and, you know, the more complicated things he sees, like he tries to build them using blocks. And that's actually fundamentally what it is to do a pro to run to write a program you have an end goal in mind i want to like build a website so what does a website have you know it has pictures it's got content it's got you know links and all of those things so you build you know a code for bringing in uh videos you will then you know build um something to pull in content and then those building blocks you piece together and that then you build, you know, your actual website. Right. But that's like an example. So for kids, I would say male or female, you know, if they want to play with blocks, give them blocks to play with and then um, give them, you know, toys to actually piece things together to make something work. And then once that foundation is there, once they start, you know, doing the reading and writing as part of a language, part of, you know, we, we all had to do English. I mean, I had to do Afrikaans. You learn a language, right? Mm. Programming is a language. <laughs> but now instead of doing verleerde taal and all of those, just having to remember the language, now you teach them, you know, when you learn this language, you'll be able to build something. So I think with kids, what I'm seeing in um, the schools these days, they're actually 
doing robotics. So you can actually build a robot, the structure, and then you learn to write the code to tell the robot what to do. You know, kids play TV games, the controllers. They just gravitate to those things, you know, telling machines what to do. So when you can just you know, encourage the kids, let them continue with that kind of thinking. And then once they're old and they can read and they can write, you bring in teaching them of programming languages and then they sit. They said it's not something that's going to be disruptive to them because naturally kids, they understand I need to do this for this to happen. You know, even climbing jungle gyms, for me to get to the top of the slide, I have to climb up the stairs. Then I get to the bottom, to the top of the slide and I slide down. So that sequence of events, it's something that's natural to them. So it's just finding a way to build on it. And then once their alert level is there to learn the actual languages, to write algorithms, to build designs, then they'll be good to go. Um, if we can just go back to the transformer. So let's yes. say <laughs> hypothetically somebody like me would be interested yeah. in building their own <laughs> transformer. She was quite excited yes. by the concept of building <laughs> a transformer, clearly. <laughs> Where do we go from here? How do, how do I start doing that? <laughs> so the intricacies are quite complicated and I think of you know a transformer because you know it has to go from a uh, a car and then it becomes an actual robot and all of those things right so personally I haven't seen one that does that I mean the I mean, only let, thing we that can I've simplify seen... it can just be the the robot yeah I, take I out the car can, let's say, okay take out it's just a, a robot right yeah. <laughs> so you could actually <laughs> now actually think of my son right and he puts his building blocks together so let's 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 go into like lab laboratory mode so you've got these um, building blocks and you've built the robot and let's say you got hinges there that the arms can move and the legs can move right so now you'll just need something to tell the arms when to move and the legs when to move so i would actually look into maybe getting a microprocessing board you build one and then that microprocessing board will then connect to all the hinges within the robot and then you just write a script i think on the microprocessing code it's machine language Oh, excuse the pun, <laughs> the machine language. Um, and then you can encode there that when you get a certain command, move the right leg forward. When you get a certain command, move the left leg forward or backwards. And you just write that script. And then you can choose whether you're going to control your robot with the remote control or you're going to connect it to a PC with wires. I mean, it, it really is that simple at a high level, <laughs> at a high level. Of course, there's intricacies, you know, there's electricity, electronics to it, there's batteries and, you know, those kinds of things. But it's really doable. Um, I think for someone like you, Drew, you could, I'm sure you could go to a Reggie's and actually <laughs> buy a robot and actually disassemble it. And then you will see the hinges, the microprocessing board. You could actually even go online to, to, to see the kind of program that's written on the microprocessing board to make that robot happen. And then you can put it together and you would have built your own robot and got the lessons. And then maybe you'll make Optimus Prime. And then maybe when you want to make Bumblebee, <laughs> you know, yeah. you've got the lessons from that one. And then you can make your own Bumblebee. <laughs> Um, now, in terms of writing the script, so you write a script so it, it understands that it comes to a block, it has to lift its leg to step over it. Um, yeah. W what is the difference between robotic versus automation? Is the one actually making a decision for itself and the other's 
just repeating an action that's been told to do? Or, I mean, is there a difference really? Robotics and, and, and automation are, are, are very interlinked, right? So a lot of the time when we think of a robot, you know, you think of an Optimus Prime, a Bumblebee, or, you know, those robots that were chasing Will Smith in that movie. But in like to come down to like first principles, a robot is something that takes a monotonous action and it does it for you. Um, like filling out a form, you know, auto-populating. You know, when you write a WhatsApp message and it sees, okay, you're writing D-I-S, or you're writing discover. It's kind of that thing of kind of automating mm. something that you do on a frequent basis. So that's where the robotics come because it's an application that runs using software to automate what it is that you're doing. So now when they built robot, they're like, um, let's think of the robot that's actually there at Vodafone, at Vodacom World. Before there was a robot, there would actually be people who would come and say, good morning, how are you? You know, welcome to Vodacom World. But now it's a repetitive thing. You know, every time a customer comes in, they need to be approached and welcomed and asked what they're going to do and then given the direction of where they can to go do it. So now Pepper does that. And then by the time you finish with Pepper, you know exactly where to go. And now the people, you know, the human people who have the intellect to actually solve your problems, that's what they're there to do. So, you know, robotics and automation is to take away any monotonous function so that us as human beings can do what it is that only we can do, which is really solve complex problems because we have the experience, we have the knowledge, and we have that human interaction that robots will, will never be able to replicate. And um, Artile, tell us a little bit about, you know, when, before you became this incredibly skilled individual in this, you know, tech world, um, what inspired you and, and you know, what, what did you look up or who did you look up to, you know, growing up? Um, yep. How did you get to where you are now? So, yeah, to be honest, like, and people like, don't believe me when I say this, I used to really enjoy drawing. Like I used to draw comic strips and, you know, do this. I was a sketch artist. Mm -hmm. That was what I used to do in my free time. You know, I, I always attest to my academic um, performance, the fact that I had no life. Like my parents were the strictest people. So like, yeah, all I do is study. So I might as well get something out of it and get straight A's. But what used to make me happy is drawing. And I really wanted to become a graphic artist. Because of my, you know, performance, especially in math and science, my guidance teacher was like, or just consider engineering. And I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> so I went and applied for engineering. I was, uh, you know, blessed enough to uh, be awarded a voter bursary. And off I went to UCT to study. And then being at UCT and seeing what the senior students were actually doing um, at that time, I think it was when we were, they were still doing research for 3G. Um, I was like, oh, wow, this really just comes from like a computer screen and you're writing a script and now I can download things. I found that so amazing. So that is what kind of fueled me to be like, I want to know how to do that. I think that is so freaking cool because every time you think of a phone, you never think what's actually making your phone work. <laughs> There's mm. an entire network and how that network is actually built. I found very interesting. Um, my final year thesis was actually to find a way to improve how the 3G network operates. Like, you know, with 
everything, the interference that comes in from the environment, whether it's rain or wind, that can distort your signal. How do you strengthen your signal to get the best 3G um, 3G performance. So that's how I got into technology. And then when I came into Vodacom, I was really inspired by the senior engineers in the company. Um, their level of knowledge of the network from the radio towers that you guys see when you're driving on the road until you break out into the global internet. I was just so interested into how that happens. And, you know, like, I don't know if you guys know Devil Wears Prada yeah. and that lady, you know, when she walks into a room, <laughs> you know, things shake. And I was like, you know what? There are men in the organization where they join a conference call. You need to know what you're talking about. And I was like, I want to be like that. Mm. I want to be so knowledgeable and so experienced and so respected that I become, you know, that devil is proud of women. You want to be the, <laughs> the Meryl Streep of coding, basically. <laughs> yes. You know, technology. I mean, that's just what. And yeah, that that that's what fueled me and motivated me. I mean, I had a lot of role models in men because it's a very male-dominated industry. But then after some time, I was like, because I grew up with boys, I mean, you know, my cousins, my friends were all male in varsity. I had male, you know, classmates. I was like, but what if there's a girly girl who's, you know, got a squad of girls? She really doesn't relate very well to men, but she wants to be like an aura one day. And she can't actually see herself aiming to be like a man. She wants to actually aim to be like a woman in this space. And that's what motivated me to get involved and be like, okay, I want a girl to be able to see someone who looks like her, who talks like her, doing these things. So she can feel like, oh, okay, if this young lady can do it, so can I. So that is another motivation for me to just enable, to actually just broaden the kind of diversity there is to say young ladies can do it, young guys can do it, you know, anybody can do this. If you have the interest and you have the work ethic, you can make it in this space. So I think that brings us quite nicely onto the Vodacom program Code Like a Girl, yes. which is something I know is quite important to you. Um, I don't know if you can just talk us through that, what it is, uh, what its aims are, and, and yeah. how you got involved in it. So the Vodacom Code Like a Girl initiative actually was born in the UK uh, at our global Vodafone head office. So one of the principal leaders within the technology group came across uh, an organization called Code First Girls. And this group wanted to, excuse me, ex expose about... I think a hundred girls during that, I think it's their summer vacation in Europe, just teach them how to build their own websites. So the representative from Vodafone was like, oh, well, we have presence in all markets in the world you can think of. Let's take that hundred and just multiply. And so any, all of the markets under Vodafone um, were given the content and, you know, the brief to be like, you know, get a classroom full of girls and teach them how to write code using this program and build a computer, a website on their computers. We're like, OK, great. So when it came to Vodacom in 2017, I was one of four volunteers who actually did the facilitation of the course. And we invited about 20 young girls from a township high school in Timbisa. And it was such a rewarding experience um, because, first of all, 
some of them, it was the first time holding a mouse, you know, having to teach somebody who's like 17 how to right click. It was, it kind of gave you that shock, like we take so much for granted, you know what I'm saying? And at the end of it all, to think on your first day, you have to be taught how to right click. And on the Friday, you have a website. That sense of accomplishment that the girls left with was incredible. And the success of it, then um, the chief of HR, Matimba Mbungela, was like, let's, let's, let's do this big. Let's pump some finance behind it and let's, get, let's do it for the schools in the less privileged environments and also staff kids. And then let's do it in both Midrand in KZN and Western Cape. So that's what happened in 2018. And I was able to go to help facilitate in Cape Town and in Durban. And it was great. And also obviously Midrand and we made the class big. I think in Midrand we had 60 girls. So I think that year we were able to reach about 150 to 200 girls. And then in 2019, they were like, why are you going to all the metros? When are you going to come to the rural areas? So in the rural areas, through Vodacom Foundation, we have ICT centers. So those ICT centers were then used to teach um, the young girls from those less privileged backgrounds, bring them in the ICT center. We gave the, the content to actually the administrators in the ICT centers. And we had Vodacom Discover graduates also helping out to train there. So we really, I think last year we hit a thousand uh, young ladies. So it's like this beautiful snowball effect. And we're just bringing exposure and just that thing of you can do it. If you can build a website in five days, imagine what you'll be able to achieve in your high school um, career. Imagine what you'll be able to do when you apply yourself in the same way in your tertiary career. And now that you have an exposure to technology, you can structure your education in a way that once you enter, enter the workplace, you are ready for, you know, what's happening there. I think that's such a powerful thing. I think when I, just thinking back on your, the, the story you shared about being at Varsity and um, the element of exposure, I think is is so powerful because a lot of the times, you know, um, thinking about you know, uh, people growing up in underprivileged communities, a lot of it is a lack of exposure. And I think 100%. The, the, the power of Code Like a Girl is that it's exposing you know, young women to something that they might never have been exposed to before. I, I remember being at varsity in my first year, taking a computer course. And, you know, I'm the youngest of four kids. So I, I was exposed to a computer because I had, you know, all the siblings. Um, but there was a woman sitting next to me who exactly that experience, she didn't know how to use a mouse, didn't know where the on button for the computer was. And, you know, we take for granted that many people can go their entire childhood and into their adult life and not be exposed to the basics of, you know, engaging with a computer. But I think the, the power of Code Like a Girl is also in the fact that they might not go into coding, but it gives them a skill. It gives them a sense of accomplishment and that confidence boost. Um, and I think that is so significant and such a beautiful thing. And I, I think it's so awesome that um, you're not just the Meryl Streep of coding right now, because I think you fully got that, that role. <laughs> um, I feel like it's it's a beautiful thing to see that um, you are opening up the space for, for other young women and that Vodacom's empowering you to do that. Do you find that many people are getting into coding through studying independently? I definitely see that very much so. And especially because the market demands it now, right? Um, 
nobody has the luxury to actually say, I'm going to take a sabbatical and go do software engineering and then come back mm. and then, you know, rule the space. Everybody has to um, do it in their free time, you know. And yes, there's formal education, there's formal postgrad uh, education, but um, being able to go to those content sites, being part of the community and, you know, we work, we all work together. You know, if somebody can build a computer program to help you, you know, source the best kind of luxury handbags and, you know, it runs a, a, a query on all the databases of all the luxury handbags and, you know, you say, I want a clutch, you know, give, give me all the options. If I can write a code to do that and I can launch an application or whatever, I can make that code available and then somebody might actually, oh, so I'm not interested in bags. I'm interested in a certain kind of, you know, off-road bicycle tires. You know, you specialize in a different area. But because you've got the skeleton, you can customize and it can meet your requirements. And that's really the best way to learn. You know, just like in Code Like a Girl, we don't sit with them for three days and just lecture them the whole day. We teach and then apply teach and apply and that's the quickest way to actually learn so yes there's that that's the beauty of this time in this industry because the the content is there you know the material is there and the community is there because we all work together we learn from each other and we get excited when technology moves forward so that's why another reason why i love being in this space Unfortunately, this year was disrupted uh, because of COVID. Um, it would have been nice to be able to do it on, online, but because the you know the target market is the ladies, the young girls who just don't have exposure, they don't have the infrastructure, they don't have laptops, you know, and data is a thing. And sometimes that interpersonal working, being able to ask the facilitator a question, is really needed, especially if you've never been in front of a computer before. So this year, unfortunately, we weren't able to do anything. But in the future, you know, um, Vodacom is looking to partner and just bolster it, you know, maybe get to a point where we're in a lecture theater somewhere. And, you know, we have girls who can actually maybe go to a UJ campus and actually get some university exposure, what it's like to be on campus and then get to do the Code Like a Girl program. I mean, there's so many ideas we were, we were brainstorming towards the end of last year, how to grow it. Um, but this is a program that the company is very much invested in and they just want to see it grow from strength to strength. And it's it's such a, it's, it's, it had such humble beginnings, you know, um, to see it where it is now and where they look to take it is something very exciting. So watch the space. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Oratile. We had such a fantastic time just touching base with you and getting to understand a bit more about the world of coding and also just the importance of the culture of design and diversity with, within that space. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is Tech Talk with Vodacom, changing tech made simple. Visit Vodacom now for more about the world of tech and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.